2: how much do you want people to be interacting in your community? And almost every person, their like gut impulse is like every day, multiple times a day. But then when you're kind of pushing them on it, you're trying to actually answer the question, like how frequently do they have to be tapping into this thing for it to be helpful to them? And there are some cases where some Community personas, it's less helpful for them to have to tap into the community every single day than it is for them to do it like once every two weeks.
0: Oh, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Jillian Benbow, and today I am talking to the lovely Noelle Flowers. If you don't already know who Noelle is in the community space, buckle in. She is amazing. I've followed her for a while now. Just so insightful. So, we're talking all things community, the intersection of education and community specifically, but also just that community manager life. So, enjoy this episode of the Community Experience Podcast. All right. I am joined today with one of my favorite faces, favorite people in the community scene, Noelle Flowers. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you today.
0: I am so excited. I had so much fun. So Noelle was one of the panelists in the Business of Community Summit, the summit that we did with Circle and we were on the same panel and I just thought we had a blast and I subscribed to your newsletter I follow you as a, you know, as a community person. So yeah, welcome. In case anyone listening doesn't know who you are, Noel, give us the, give us the hot goss. <laughs> I love any podcast that starts with hot
2: goss. So I can definitely do that. So this won't be super hot, but my name is Noel. I have been in the community industry for probably like seven years at this point, which is really funny to say because when I first got into community, I did not anticipate that. I did not know that there was a career path ahead of me. But basically, I started off my career outside of the tech space working as a public high school teacher. I taught music in Queens. And when I realized I couldn't wake up that early, I (laughs) pivoted into tech. I worked at Teachable for about four years running their community programs, which is where I first started to actually rub shoulders with SBI a little bit. And then I worked building a community education program at ComSor for a couple of years. And now I'm an independent consultant. So that's my I don't know how gossipy that is for you, but that's my my story.
0: No, that's got some nuggets because some hot gas nuggets. I didn't know you were a teacher. Yeah. Before coming into community. I think that's kind of a trend right now too, for like a lot of teachers are realizing especially and we'll talk about more the you know the intersection of education ed tech and community but i mean even our community manager for all access past she is she came from teaching as well
2: i think it's one of those careers that sets you up really well because low key there's a lot of public speaking in community and teachers cannot be phased like <laughs> they're so used <laughs> to giving presentations over and over but yeah i hired two former educators on my last team at ComSor and I hope to hire many more teachers in my community career.
0: (laughs) It's true. Like keeping a community, paying attention or getting the information they need, I'm sure is just, you know, it's different, but it's, I would rather do that than a classroom full of any age children. Like as soon as I'm outnumbered by like five, I'm like, nah, this isn't for me. (laughs) Gotta go. And I guess at least like having the threat of like detention and principals is the only thing that makes that not just like my worst nightmare. So, like as soon as they realize I have no power, I'm, I'm done.
2: <laughs> yes, students are absolutely brutal and they can kind of immediately find your weaknesses and go right, right for them, uh, you know, love them for it. But it, it really was a trial by fire to prepare me for uh, community because then I was never upset when I saw, you know, community members that were upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, this <laughs> is nothing.
0: <cute>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, what, like, were you doing high school or middle school, elementary school?
2: Yeah, I taught high school choir. I taught at this big school in Queens that had sort of like, I think I probably had like five classes of 30, 35 kids. And I did like some general music, some choir. It was fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sweating just listening to this. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, we can move on. <laughs> but yeah, that's, it. that's good to know. That makes a lot of sense, though, because I know, you know, like you said, working at Teachable, which is kind of, you know, now that community is becoming a bigger part of these LMS platforms, they all seem to be scrambling to add community if they didn't already have it lately. I think all good signs of what is going to be the next iteration of taking an online class, you know, it's, uh, For a while, been kind of stagnant. You're either doing like literal masterclass.com where it's just a lecture. There's not really interaction to all the way to like, you know, and like Skillshare is very much like that. But then, you know, we've used Teachable for forever at SPI and trying to give people on demand learning, but also be able to talk to each other. You know, cohorts kind of came about. And now with technology kind of catching up, we're in this really unique space to really have this I mean, I guess it's a hybrid, right? Of like in person or even just like live teaching with that asynchronous teaching or learning, I should say. Yeah, what are your thoughts on just where where we are and where it's going? I guess like both of that spectrum you just
2: described of like from on demand courses that have their merits for students, but also really have their merits for businesses because you set it up and then you don't have to like continuously administer it. But then there's this like downside to that end of the spectrum where it's actually just really hard to finish stuff. Like when I think about myself as a student, there's absolutely no way that I would finish an on-demand course like that unless it's literally required for my job. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'll finish my, those trainings that you have to like keep open on your computer, right? But I'm not going to be able to like motivate myself to do something that has no interaction with a like teacher or with other students. And I would consider myself somebody who's like relatively into learning and like school. And even that is like really difficult format for me. So then on the flip side of that spectrum, there's cohort based courses, which are so great in that sense of like motivating students to go along. But then from the business perspective there, like the biggest possible headache that you could choose to set up in terms of like the staff needs and all of the logistics of them. So I think community comes in as this like really good solution to start to hybridize those, as you were saying.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but you know, if you you just look at SPI, the things we've done, like it's the similar evolution where we just had the DIY courses and there was, I mean, I air quotes like community involved that it was Facebook groups originally. So, you know, whatever, (laughs) insert opinion here. Everyone already knows mine about that. And then we started doing boot camps, which were the cohort based. And yeah, just like so intense and also kind of limiting because if your scheduled events don't line up with someone's where they live, their time zone or their schedule, like they're automatically a no, you know, and then, yeah, just very like labor intensive, but great. Like you really saw people do the work because accountability, right? And then so now we're kind of in this in-between where we're we're calling them accelerators, but it's, it's like if you did a cohort asynchronously to accommodate for different time zones and whatnot. So there's a ton of accountability and check-ins. There's optional live experiences, but the bulk of it is you do it on your own, but you are checking in daily. You are talking to people. You're working together. You know, people are huddling up that have similar goals or, you know interests and and they're doing the work together it's really great I'm a lifelong learner I'm always learning something like I actually love learning I just hated school it's kind of like don't tell me what to do actually that was a really good book thank you you know <laughs> it's like fine I'll read it and then loved it and like Ugh, school
2: <laughs> anti-authoritarian over there just a little yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: it's interesting how I feel like everybody's kind of bouncing back and forth between those two poles of like the self-paced versus the cohorts and then kind of like discovering the things that are difficult about them both. And I think we're gonna see more businesses that are like developing both and hybrid versions and that are kind of like the cohort based courses dipping into the evergreen programs and vice versa and everything sort of like working as a virtuous cycle. I think that's the way that it becomes easier
0: Yeah. I also I think it's important just to acknowledge there's no get rich quick scheme in like education. (laughs) Yeah. And there's nor should there be. It all takes work. And even, you know, people will say, oh, DIY courses, you just set it and forget it. Uh, No, things are constantly changing. Your tutorials need to be updated. Things evolve over time. There's constant updates. People have questions, you know, and totally. So it's all, it all is going to take dedication and some sort of staffing, whether it's your own time or people you hire or however you do it. And so I'm actually, I'm kind of glad to see the people who got into it to just like six figure launch and, <laughs> you know, make a bunch of money are actually having to go away because their content's not good. Like now there's, there's so much content and finding finding the good stuff can be a challenge. But I think at the end of the day, it remains, you know, while the other stuff hopefully is kind of just leaving.
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm like very happy to hear you say that because this is obviously like the playground that we were in at Teachable as well with like people that want to, not that, I think people have more sort of like virtuous desires than like just exclusively get rich quick schemes. Like the majority of people are not Thinking about it in such a simplistic way, but there is that like myth that, oh yeah, you set it up and you forget about it. And at the end of the day, like no strategy that you get given or like launch playbook is going to work if the content is like not good. (laughs) Like that is the bottom line.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I wanted to ask you because you do, you know, you have played in this field for, for a very long time. Um, if, so, you know, someone's contemplating, like, cool, Well, I want to bring community and education together. I mean, do you kind of have a general, like, these are some things you should think about or here's some considerations?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what direction you're coming from. But I guess what I would say is I'm a big fan of like little tests. So and this is something that I've, there's this really awesome person, Do you know, Danielle Mayfield at all. Do
0: I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not only has she been on the show, I do her community support sessions for leaders. So
2: I see her every Tuesday. <laughs> okay, amazing. She's
0: also just like a really cool person. So she's an amazing person. I'm like, can we hang out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she has a tattoo machine. Like what? Machine? Can? Yes. <laughs> she decided to teach herself how to tattoo.
2: Okay, I need to be like, how do I get on her test list? For my right. Next tattoo, but... Speaking of Yes, we <laughs> <laughs> But is somebody who has like really impacted the way that I think about community and I think one of the things that she said that has always stuck with me is like a lot of people are thinking okay what's the way for me to test out community on my business and they're jumping immediately to like I guess you would say like the MVP of a forum or of what we would think of as a community but Danielle is like the type where she'll be like you don't need to jump to that. You just need to test one component of that. So maybe ask the question, like, can I get this group of 10 people to show up for four weeks on something? So she would say, I think, I hope I'm representing your words here, if you're listening, Danielle, but like,
0: we'll find out. She'll be like, I can't believe you outed my tattoo machine. (laughs) (laughs) She's talked publicly about it. It's fine.
2: (laughs) She would say like, can you get them to do an event or something like that? So I would say that if you have a course and you're thinking about community, maybe think about testing some small component of it like that. Can you get them to come to a and a session? And then on the flip side, again, instead of jumping right to I'm developing a whole course for a community, I might do like a challenge. Are people interested in some kind of paced out learning experience within your community?
0: That's so smart. Yeah. And I see, I see that a lot, especially, you know, Pat and whoever starts talking about things like this, people get super excited and they just want to do it because it sounds exciting and it's fun. And let's be honest, a lot of us are kind of like serial, like, Ooh, new shiny thing. (laughs) And so all this work starts going into uh, like something really heavy lift, like a course and no one ever stops to ask themselves why, like, who is this for? How will they benefit? like what and and does anybody want it is probably the most important question. I know I know I see that a lot with people. Um, also the okay, I made the thing and now no one wants it and I feel awful and just kind of having to sit with that, but also then decide now what, right? And I think that advice is helpful for that person too because you okay, you made this thing, it's not hitting. What part of it can you test to see? can you get someone in the door? Right. Totally.
2: Yeah. And this is like the other thing about best practices and advice in general. Like, I'm definitely in the business of like giving advice about community. Like I do this all the time on podcasts or my newsletter or Twitter or whatever, but when it comes down to it, what you're actually seeing playing out in your tests is much more valuable than anything that you're hearing in terms of best practice. So I think I'm always trying to push people to like observe what is really happening and test different components of things and recognize that when we're giving advice or best practices, we're really saying, you know, this is what I guess is going to happen based off of what your setup is and similar things that have happened in the past, but like we don't really know. Like community and courses are a creative art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. I always say it's the Wild West or a dumpster fire, but a creative art is uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. probably <laughs> it's a much prettier, prettier description. It's so true. I know people, you know, I'll host, you know, like office hours types of events just about community for our community members to talk about community. And so... <laughs> I I usually preface it with like, look, the answer to every question is going to be, it depends. So bear with me. It's going to be, it depends. And then follow up questions because there's no, there's no model that fits everyone. And I think I kind of get frustrated with the, the default, like to your point earlier, people think community and they think forum and it's like, That is not what you have to build. Like, is that what is needed? Is it like, is it a support community for a product? Then yeah, maybe a forum is a good way for people to help each other, but that does not have to be community. Community could be, you know, just anything. Like even on this, I'll ask you later, how do you define community? And there's a sneak peek to later question and everyone defines it differently. And often it's not a forum, you know, it's like people with, you know, similar... You know, can be anything. I don't want to spoil the some of the answers. I know. Now I'm
2: going to be like, when you're in class and you know
0: the question is coming and your head I'm is like, like Wait. <laughs> it's almost worse than being, you know, like it, it just like being asked and you have to come up with something immediately for, you know, sometimes you don't want to know. Just kidding. I totally don't ask that question later. <laughs> so you have one of the best newsletters. I'm curious, the things you talk about is so thoughtful. You're very thoughtful in general, but. You just have these very thoughtful insights and I'm always just like, what a great topic. So selfishly, I'm curious, just how are you deciding what to focus on week to week? I know you consult and so you're, you know, helping people and you're having, you have real life situations you're dealing with that you can kind of draw from. But yeah, just sometimes you just kind of blow me out of the water with your topics where I'm like, this is great. I needed this.
2: (laughs) That. is a really kind thing to say. And I'm sorry if you're hearing my dog sneezing in the background here.
0: It's a cheese sneeze. Oh my <laughs> Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah. So it's also been a kind of challenge for me because with my newsletter, I used to send it sort of whenever I felt like it. And since I've been working more full-time in consulting coaching and that kind of stuff, I've been kind of pushing myself to stay consistent with it, which I'm happy to report. I have been sending a weekly newsletter for months. Yeah. A lot of it ever since I've kind of started writing about community, I think one of the big values that I have is trying to stay like tactical. Like I really care about people coming out of what I'm sharing, not just with like, oh, I have a new way to think about something, but like I might actually be able to execute or do something with this information. I I don't know why that has become So important to me, but that's sort of like the lens that I come through. And a lot of those things come out of, as you said, conversations with clients where I'm like noticing, oh, I've had three clients this week that were struggling with the exact same thing, or I'm getting this question, or a lot of times they help me kind of shake loose a new way of thinking about something or framing something that like all of a sudden is working. (laughs) Like, I, for years have been trying to help clients with goal setting and creating goals that are like really symbiotic for their businesses and their communities and themselves and i like finally hit on a framework for that like two weeks ago you know and that comes out of just lots of repetition for working with clients and that stuff and when that kind of stuff happens i like to blast it out into the universe
0: it's so great because like (laughs) like you're saying it's one of those things where several clients are dealing with it. I think several community builders are probably also either have dealt with it or are, and just having that context, that perspective, it's like, okay, one, I'm not alone. Yay. Two, like there might be a different take that helps kind of shift the framework in your head to solve Yeah thing. A lot of times
2: with community builders, I find also I'm always trying to encourage more people to like write newsletters or tweet about these things because a lot of times it ends up being like the same core take, but just like the way that you communicated it hit with somebody and helped validate them. Like I would say I get a lot more of people being like, oh, I was secretly thinking this, but now seeing it written out, now I feel comfortable like communicating it to an executive. I get that way more than I get people being like, oh, I never thought of that before. So it's not like, it doesn't have to be the most original thing on the planet in order for it to be really useful to people.
0: It's so true. It's kind of like, you know, there's, it's that concept of like, there's, there's enough business out there for everyone. And we all kind of have our, our voice that is unique. So you and I can say the same message, but someone might more identify with how you said it than how I say it. And the ultimate like goal is accomplished with that. Right. We're just trying to help people navigate things. Validate. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I like about just the community profession, like the world of community builders. I find that we all can't help ourselves (laughs) because we just build community. You know, that's what we do, but we're, we're very like, we are eager to share. If something works well, we want other people to hear about it. If we're having a hard time, we want help from other community builders because that's just what we do, right? That's what we do in our communities. We can't help ourselves. So we do it together and it's just magic. And who knows what's happening with Twitter, speaking of dumpster fires, but at least for (laughs) right now, you know, I feel like there's, I, I kind of like begrudgingly stay because there's so many great relationships I have on there with other community builders and I just love the interactions. Maybe we'll find, is it Mastodon or Matador? I can never remember. I like, every time I go to it, I'm like, I feel old. (laughs) Like, How does this work?
2: I'm like so curious what's going to end up because I would say solidly for the past two years, community or Twitter has been such a good place to connect with people about community. And then like all of a sudden everybody's like,
0: is this thing on? Like... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, what are we doing guys? Like circle the wagons, community people. <laughs> What's the plan? We'll figure it out. I, I try to like
2: remember that with all of these things, like it can feel very permanent, but things change so quickly. Like there is that moment in 2020 where we were like, oh, we're relevant all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're having this like funny little dip but i'm just like not too worried about it cuz the industry just evolves rapidly and i i really trust us to figure out the next step.
0: Yeah, i'm i'm curious your thoughts. Let's let's dive into that a little. Just i mean, community as a whole, right? The pandemic was like we were made for this because we've been doing this stuff and then suddenly people needed us in a way they didn't and and even businesses were like, "Oh, and I think a lot, like a lot of communities launched. There's a lot of job opportunities for community builders as businesses realize, like, oh, this is a thing. Um, we could actually use this. And then now we're in the now we're in the layoffs, <laughs> and not community specific, just economically, we're in layoffs. Definitely in tech. I did like I think a, a, a glimmer that I've seen is that community I think proved its value to some people that maybe didn't see it before. I know in past roles I've had of constantly having to fight to say like having the expense of a community team is worth it and here's why. It seems like more businesses accept like, yes, this is, this is not an expense, this is an investment, which is fantastic. And I'm also seeing new community roles and new types of community as a profession pop up, like specifically internal community which is very exciting. Like I've been seeing more roles specific to kind of like a intersection of community and HR, right? Like culture. It's fascinating. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on just where, where we're going now that it's no longer 2020 and we're still here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we had a little moment where people were a lot more willing to take risks in 2020 in terms of like investing. And I think you're right that people are now a little bit more sold on the idea that community can have business impact. But what I still see is a little bit of like a big flail around what that impact is. And so I think what I see most commonly is like, and it comes from, it's the calls coming from inside the house to a degree, because I think we as community builders can have a tendency to be like, oh, it's gonna impact retention, it's gonna impact acquisition, it's gonna impact content, it's gonna like every single thing. And I think what can help a little bit is trying to like focus on what your core pillar or metric is that's moving the needle and like really designing a community that is purpose-built for that. Because where I see folks falling down and then where I see executives getting like confused about their investment, is when we're trying to like serve every single thing and the communities are like confusing or they're just too much work to maintain. So we've got like, you know, bloated teams or really bloated programs. So I think we're like getting there, but we still have a little bit more work to do in terms of like defining what different types of programs do for businesses and making that message like a little bit more clear.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And it, and it goes back to like test a thing and see, right? Ask, you know, even if you don't have a community, maybe of customers. So ask, like, what do you think of this? Or well, right. what <laughs> would you want? <laughs> Why would you like, how can I convince you to log into this thing every day or multiple times a week? Like, what would compel you to do that? Right, right? Yeah.
2: And also, like, if the answer is no, then what? right? (laughs) So if you're doing that user research and you're finding that members are like not interested in community in that way, is there another part of the business that's really valuable to impact? So I think a good example of this is sometimes community isn't about like mobilizing every single customer and having a retention output, or it's not about getting net new leads in the door. Sometimes it's about a customer council of like 50 people who are really into the product and getting them to give like rock solid feedback on it. Totally. <laughs> Which is like a totally different kind of program but one that might have a ton of business impact that's like really clear to communicate.
0: Absolutely. And I think that goes back to just not defaulting that like we are going to have a community and it's a plug and play forum and right. like, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Like you really don't. You could have like you said, like a council that meets X amount of times and does surveys or something, you know? Like it can be that simple. It really can.
2: But of course we all want to be Atlassian, right? They've got like every single one of these things and they're nailing
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> they are definitely the it's like, so how are you doing this? Like, can I do a ride along? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> they should have like a tour day for at least for community builders, like come see, come see all our secrets.
2: I would love uh, a peek under the hood. I've been able to like hang with certain people that worked at Atlassian on some of their programs. And I'm always so impressed with everything they do.
0: Right. It's like a, hey, let's go get a drink. Tell me everything. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I thought you wanted to be friends. I do. But also (laughs) she could help me out. Erica, if you're listening to this,
2: I do really, we are actually friends. So (laughs) no shade here.
0: (laughs) No shade, Erica but tell us no. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I think too, it's, it's almost like to our detriment, these North star communities because they are doing all the things and doing them well. And I'm sure what we see might be like the Instagram feed version of, of reality. Like it's not all puppies and roses, but it sure seems like it. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they have their challenges, but it also, I think it, it's also a good reminder to all of us to, look at our own programming and say like what could we do better and what could we drop like you don't have to do all the things and atlassian in a as a company like it's a beast right like it's huge they do so many things they have so many parts and yeah that's not necessarily where all of us are if you're not working at atlassian do you need an atlassian level like community maybe you just need one part of it right completely
2: yes in in 2023 I think my my hope for the community industry is that everybody listening to this podcast like drops one
0: to five of their programs <laughs> oh my gosh don't don't tempt me with a good time
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, focus on one or two nail them like deliver and measure impact and we're we're gonna be okay
0: yeah. And I think it's kind of just, you know, it's a, like our Achilles heel as community builders, we are just like, Oh, I want to provide more value. Let's have more cool stuff. And, uh, you know, at some point you have to be like, you know, this isn't the college dorm. You don't have to keep these people entertained 24 seven and make sure they're eating. And, you know, we're not a, we're not a RA. It's okay to create programming that, sorry, if you heard my, my dog well, this time, lag there. Yeah. You heard a little, like a little shake it off. I love it. And now she's itching herself. I hope
2: that stays in the
0: edit. (laughs) 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 Anyways, point being, it's like, we don't have to do it all and do it all amazing. I think we, we all as community builders, I think just as like high achieving people in general, it's like, what else can we add? We need to launch. We need to, and it's like, or you could just have this very reliable program that people know when to show up and how to show up and they enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. Which even as I'm saying it, I'm like, but. (laughs) But I
2: really want to do my really fun program. Yeah. Yeah, But like to your point of it depends earlier, this is like one of the, the hardest it depends to deliver is like a lot of times I'll ask my clients, like how much do you want people to be interacting in your community? And almost every person, their like gut impulse is like every day, multiple times a day. But then when you're kind of pushing them on it you're trying to actually answer the question like how frequently do they have to be tapping into this thing for it to be helpful to them because for you at least in my opinion for you to get business impact out of a community it has to be genuinely helpful to the member and there are some cases where some community personas it's less helpful for them to have to tap into the community every single day than it is for them to do it like once every two weeks. So it really depends on the person that you're serving and what you're trying to like deliver for them.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's so easy to just get, and I'm saying this as someone who's currently doing this, like it just get too spread too thin with, you know, so many little components and add-ons and, like from a value perspective, I don't think community members are expecting like here we are now entertain us right like they they have a life to your point just make it very clear like hey when you come here this is what you get this is what you accomplish and then you go and like live your life and then the, and you just have to it has to be compelling enough for them to come back right right and some of those communities are more social some are more
2: transactional like some have you might. Stick with them for five years, some you might be in for a month. That's, and I think having asking those questions when you're building a program and being a little bit okay with the answer that you get instead of being like, oh no, but I really want the community that people are going to stay with for five years and come in every single day. Sometimes that's not authentic to your audience.
0: Yeah. Like if it's a neighborhood group, sure, if they're going to live there that long, like that makes sense. But if it's something, you know, like, a learning experience, for example, that's something, you know, we launched our all access pass. And something I have to remind our team because we're talking about churn and we're we're benchmarking right now because it's all so new. But I'm like, you know, the the goal of this is not for people to stay forever. (laughs) The goal is they get something out of it because it's that learning model. They have access to our entire course catalog, but then programming to help them get through it because as we know, people aren't finishing courses they buy. So (laughs) this is solving that right But you get to a point where you got to like, it's like, okay, it's time to graduate. Like I I learned all the things I needed that I came here for. And now it's time to move on. And of course, yes, we have a community that they can potentially go to after that. Because of course we do, because we do it all, right? But it's also okay if then they just leave and take that knowledge and do cool things with it and hopefully think kindly of us, you know, like it's okay to have an end, like People grow out of things. It's fine. It's fine.
2: Totally. Yeah. And I think to your point of like actually understanding how long you want that journey to be. And then you have this other opportunity once you're able to really successfully take people through that, that they got what they wanted to get. <laughs> and now they like you.
0: Yeah. Now they can refer people. Yes, exactly. So it can be good Alumni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you talk about that much with your clients that you work with like just the you know the life cycle of a member and how to decide like how to figure out what a good goal like for all access pass my goal is you stay for at least a year but after a year i i understand you know if if you stay for a quarter like you probably didn't need it that much but i feel like a year will give you a really good skill set and friends and network and whatnot do you talk about that at all
2: yeah, I would actually say that like retention is probably the most common business output that I'm optimizing for with my clients. And I think that's just because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are creating businesses where they're trying to like cultivate a sort of smallish pool of people and they want to be with them for their journey in whatever capacity that is. And I think that that can be really appealing to entrepreneurs because the prospect of trying to like dominate an entire persona and be like constantly acquiring new clients is not that appealing versus like understanding, you know, for my a thousand people that are customers or whatever it is, what can I continue to offer them? But I think a lot of times it's all about like You know, I'm a musician, so now I'm like thinking about mixing music where you're like pushing back this dial and you're pulling this one up. I think community is like that a lot too, where you're thinking about, okay, if my journey is authentically really only a year long, does it make sense for me to have a annual subscription? Probably not, right? (laughs) Like everybody is gonna turn from that, right? Versus doing something that's more Which we do.
0: Sorry. No, it's
2: fine. (laughs) But I'm just saying like you find the answer to the question and then you get to tinker with all of the other pieces of it. It's not like, oh, rats. I found out that my journey is too short and now I'm like screwed. You have control over the different components of the business model. And sometimes you have to tweak those other things to kind of suit the reality.
0: Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about community, well, life in general, but definitely community is like nothing's permanent. You can change things. Like even, even community guidelines, anytime I'm helping someone come up with community guidelines, cause I freaking love them. Uh, you know, I'm always like, this is a living document. Like it's going to evolve as your community evolves. And it should, like, you should be looking at it at least once a year, at least. And you should be adding things in uh, even like, maybe a situation comes up and you realize people don't understand what I mean by this, like change it, (laughs) tell people, Hey, we updated this community guideline. You don't have to like, you know, spread like, because so-and-so, you know, but you say it's come to our attention that this is being misinterpreted. So we're updating it to this. Let me know if you have questions. Okay. Bye. You know, it's, and, and the same goes for programming, for life cycle goals, to your point, like you can change things. It's okay. Like you can explain things and say, look, like if it is a touchy subject, right? Like you can do that. You have to do it smartly. Totally. In fact, you must explain things. Yes. That's
2: that's one of the things we know as as community builders is like most things you want to proactively address instead of like waiting for somebody to be upset. And that solves like, 95% of problems.
0: Good communication, I think, yeah, like prevents so many things. And every once in a while, I get myself in a situation where I'm like, what, am, what, what am I doing? You know, because you're just like, I'm, you know, moving fast, got to do this thing, make a change, boom, boom, bop. And then people are like, hold on, what, you know, and then you look and you're like, yeah, I could have explained that better. I should have given more of a heads up, you know, whatever it is. I think it's a, it's a constant evolution, but communities are made of humans. And so if you mess up, you just own it, which is, I'm usually like, you're right. <laughs> you know, yes. it doesn't happen yeah. often, but like, just be human and say, Hey, I misjudged this. I should have given more time. We should have gotten more feedback. I didn't realize this was going to be a thing. Now that I know it is let's talk, you know, you just have to be willing to talk to other humans. It's radical.
2: <laughs> it's truly radical. Yeah. You're like, yeah. when you receive feedback. You have to really listen.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And say like, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. If you'd like to talk about it, if you want to yell at me, and, and I guess it depends on your boundaries, right? But I'm like, sure. You want to hop on a call and just tell me I'm terrible and like, get it all out. That's I do not You like, you will not phase me. Do it. Go for it. And nine times out of 10, those calls turn more into very empathetic interactions where I'm like, hey and maybe it's because they don't expect me to be like yeah i am really sorry i you know this is what i thought was happening it's not or you know whatever it is and then they're like oh right you're human and like i want to say i'm mad because of this but also i understand like 9 times out of 10 they're like i see where you, i see why you did it yeah. like or i understand the decision the company made cuz as as we all know in community if you if you're running a community especially on behalf of an organization or a person or whatever You sometimes get to deliver news that you had no choice in. You may not even agree with and everyone's going to let you know they have a problem with it. Right. And so you kind of take that role. I've definitely learned to like, it's okay. Like you can hold space for people and that, that shows them that even if they disagree with a company thing and they're frustrated and they even take it out on you, they know like, it's not you.
2: Totally. Yeah. And you have, it sounds like both a very thick skin and also like knowledge of what your own boundaries are and like what will and will not upset you to hear, which I think is so valuable for community builders.
0: That was a long, hard road of learning. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think, I think boundaries are so important. And also, you know, obviously for people running communities, but for community members, I've noticed that's something I've kind of leaned into as helping community members figure out what their boundaries are and then advocate for themselves so like you don't have to be obligated to hop on a call with people if that's not comfortable to you or if someone asks you for help and you don't have the capacity just saying like I don't have the capacity like no is a complete sentence but you know you can especially with digital communities where often it's like type it's like just say like I can't right now like sorry you know or whatever it is it's this is my new this is kind of my new like thing is um Digital etiquette is what I've liked to call it, right? When are we getting the like blog post on that? Right? Well, actually, I was like, should I write like an Emily post? <laughs> <Of the community. laughs> and I'm like, I'm the last person that should do that. Wait, that's such a cool idea. I know, but it's I like, uh, well, yeah, maybe. I've decided if I ever write a community book, it will be on digital etiquette. The problem is, I think the people who need to read it are the ones that wouldn't. <laughs> like. Mom, here, read this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just finding there's there's a generation gap in, and not just generation, but there's self-awareness gap for a lot of people on like what is an appropriate way to come into a room online. And as we have more and more types of communities and that bring different kinds of people together, you know, just understanding how to join a space and assess like what the vibe is basically and then behave within the norms of that you know it's kind of like traveling to a different country and not respecting culture and then wondering why no one will talk to you <laughs> it's like that but a uh, bit online
2: and i think i mean i'm now 30 but i will admit that i'm often scrolling tiktok and
0: <laughs> I'm 41 and I get the TikTok where it's like, you've been scrolling for a while. And I'm like, get out of my feed. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because we don't know how to stop. Um, but
2: <laughs> sometimes I'll look on the comments and I'll realize like, oh, for a lot of people, they have a hard time remembering that they're interacting with real person. And that I think is something that as community builders or at least like I'll speak for myself I don't have a hard time remembering that (laughs) like I always right away I'm like oh that was mean but then I'll realize like people need a little bit of practice to kind of grow that muscle of remembering that they're they're talking to a human
0: right I even have to remember that in communities when someone like says something or they're dominating a zoom call or whatever and you're just kind of like oh my god right and then it's like wait I'm managing this community. I need to deal with this. (laughs) I could talk about digital etiquette forever, but I want to make sure we're talking about other stuff as well. And we're kind of towards the end. So before we go into our rapid fire, which is where you may have already heard a question and hopefully haven't been stewing on too much. I'm curious. We always do this at the very end, but real quick, I want you to just tell everybody one consulting, like who are you working with primarily? What kind of if someone's like, oh, she is consulting, I let, you know, I, there's a vibe check here. Who, like, kind of who are you working with? Are you available? All of that. Tell us about your consulting work.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I would say I'm available-ish. Like, I usually can't book something tomorrow, but I can usually book something like a couple weeks or a month out. I kind of work with clients in two big ways. So one is, like, coaching, call-based consulting, whatever you want to call it, which tends to be more with like independent entrepreneurs or community managers themselves that are working at small businesses. And that is really just people either booking like one call with me for us to tease out a specific problem that they're dealing with. Or sometimes people will do like, I want to book six calls and talk through my entire strategy or hold a monthly or things like that. So that's more of us like working together one-on-one to dig into problems and to your point earlier of that kind of like it depends question. I think that's a lot of what I'm trying to like build with clients is that inquiry process of like when I have this challenge, what are like the 10 questions that I have to ask to kind of push me towards my solution? So that's one side of it. And then I also work Sometimes with bigger brands and companies on like larger consulting engagements, like strategy kind of stuff, but that just really depends on the project and whether it matches up with my expertise and, you know, community education, startup land kind of stuff. So it depends.
0: That's great. I love that this is like kind of what you're doing now. It's uh, I'm sure it's keeping you busy but indeed yeah there's something yeah <laughs> there's something fun about because i'm i am a nosy bee so like getting to <laughs> you know like have your hands in so many different communities and hear like what people are working on and what the problems are like kind of what we were talking about earlier it just sounds yeah. fun yeah <laughs>
2: it's like oddly something that's gone through my entire career like i've always had a community role that had some kind of like working with lots of different business owners element to it And I really like that. And I I think one thing I've really learned about consulting also is that it always depends on what. It's not like there's three consulting packages. I think any consultant will tell you this (laughs) that are always the same. It's more like what needs to be addressed in that situation, which is kind of fun to think about each time.
0: That's super fun. I have a like a much higher level version of that with just the nature of our communities. There's a lot of, you know, solopreneur types in them and a lot who are launching communities. So I'm always like, just add me to your community and I'll poke around and then we can talk about it. Cause I'm just like, yes, I want to see all the communities. Like, <laughs> let me in. I'm so nosy. Well, and it, it, yeah, it's like, how many communities am I technically like an admin of? It's so many, but it's, you know, it, it, and it comes from a place of like, I'm, well, one, I'm nosy, but two, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know everything. I would never even like, promise anything but like i'll go in and like go through the member path and tell you what i think like i'd love to you know it's fun it's the best anyways anyways okay i have a final question then we'll do rapid fire i want to hear more about the ep you're working on (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) this is for david who's listening as editing is happening he's so excited about this as a music composer himself
2: Hi, David. Yeah, David and I have been emailing back and forth about this. We have a kind of coffee set up. So hello, David in editing world. But yeah, so I think that this is one of the things that makes community kind of like a fit for me as a person is that I think it allows a lot of space for the whole self. And part of my whole self is that I am a musician. I've been writing music and playing in a band and doing that kind of stuff. I sing in choirs too. And Part of what I left my full-time job to do is focus a little bit more on that that side of myself and nurture that for a while. So I've been releasing music, and I have a whole six-song EP coming out in little less than a month, and a couple of the songs are out already, and you can listen to them like wherever you do that—Spotify, Apple Music, all those
0: places. Just look up your name, all under your real name. Yes, band yes, guys. yeah.
2: I know it's such a like it probably will become a problem at some point that I have like two different main things that are both just under my full real name, but that is what it is right now. So,
0: (laughs) you know, I think that's the way the world is going though. Like we're all accepting that like, look, yes, I do this, but I also do all these other things, right? Like we can have more than like, I don't think one job title should be like our whole identity. You know, because we all have so much more going on. And it's
2: all me and it's all happening every day. You know, like I'm doing this and then later on I'm going and playing with somebody who might play a show with me. So it's like always both things happening every single day.
0: Yeah, I love it. I'm looking forward to that part. I think like the the younger generations are so much more like that is just like, yeah, that's what you do, you know, and I'm older than you. But like for me, that's like oh, I grew up in a very like, you, do, you, you know, here's your checklist, <laughs> go to school, buy a house, get married. You have the one, the one career and a pension. And like that all fell apart as I was growing up, but it was still like the, the norm, you know? And so I'm really excited that young at heart, I guess, cause I'm like, yep, I'm opting into this multi-passionate route. It's so much more interesting than just like, like, I just don't want to like, yes, I love working in community. It's a piece of me for sure, but it's just a part of me. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I feel like everybody, at least every time I have a conversation about work with anybody, I find that they're like, is this about just work or are we going to be people here? (laughs) Right. Like, Can we talk about all the things?
0: Right. You can only tell me so much about being an accountant before I've, I've left before I've totally disassociated and I'm yeah. over in La La Land, yeah, and vice versa. Like, well, most times people are like, "What do you do?" <laughs> and it's like, "I work on the internet. Don't worry about it." What's your job? Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I observe human behavior on a daily basis. online. <laughs> I'm a uh, plot twist. I'm an I'm an internet troll full time. Okay, well. Thank you for taking that little segue journey with me. We are going to go into what I call the rapid fire round of questions. If you're not familiar, Let's do it. yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. First thing kind of that comes to mind, hence the rapid fire, just like a quick, whatever response. I will do my best not to ask follow up questions because I know I will have them. And anybody who listens to the end of this podcast knows it's very hard for me to stick with this. So we're going to give it a go, though. So I'm scared. Let's go. <laughs> don't be. And there's no math. I like to community people always were like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> Quick calculation. Noel, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> this is actually a funny one. So I maybe TMI for the whole podcast, but I have like a, a heart condition that I was diagnosed with when I was a child. So I wanted to be specifically a pediatric nephrologist, because that was what one of my doctor's specialty was. But then I realized you have to go to medical school to do that. And that kind of discounted the whole thing for me.
0: That's lovely, though. Like whoever that doctor is out there, who's like, wait, what do you do for work? I know. You know, Dr. Heron, if you're listening. Yeah, they definitely are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The question of the hour. Noel. how do you define community?
2: Oh, gosh, the one that I've been stewing over this whole time. I think the easiest way to define it is just like many to many interactions instead of one to many. I I can go, I often try to like specify further. Okay, I'll put it this way. I think definitions can be useful for us when we're trying to like suss out a specific situation. So if if you're like a job seeker and you're asking me that question, my answer is going to be different so that you can like look at a job post and understand, is this a community role? But if we're talking about community conceptually, that's how I'd put it.
0: I love it. I think it's great. All right. Pretend, if you don't have one, pretend you have a bucket list. What is something on that list that you have done? So a cool thing you've done in your life.
2: Okay. This is funny. This never would have been on my bucket list because I never would have thought it possible because, spoiler alert, but I am 5'1", barely. But I have been in a New York City Fashion Week show before because and you're like, how, how did this happen? No,
0: that's really cool.
2: I used to sing in a choir in the city that got for a Montclair Grenoble show. They did like this really high concept choir thing and my choir got hired to do it. And so I got to like wear like $4,000 worth of like ridiculous ski wear and stand on a stage and like do the choir stuff. It was crazy.
0: That is so cool. Did you do a crazy runway walk just because? I did
2: not walk the runway. It was like a, I should like find a picture of this and send it to you. But it was like all these different cubes that were sort of arranged in a grid. And I was like standing on a, in a cube that was like five up and then the actual models, it's like me and my choir and then like a bunch of like, you know, six foot two,
0: people that are like actual models yeah that's really cool (laughs) i feel like that's like a a go-to and like two truths and a lie (laughs) oh totally totally yeah
2: all of my go-tos are things that i got to do through like being in choirs because choirs in crazy places
0: yeah this is like the I feel like you should have some sort of like join a choir link. Like this is the like if you haven't been in a choir, here's why you should be. Like it's amazing. Truly my passion. If I could be like a
2: professional choir singer for my job, I absolutely would be. That would be your like dream
0: job. Ooh, that's a good question. It's your dream job, but everyone will be like, What I do? Ha <laughs> ha. And it's like, no, but really.
1: <laughs> my nope. boss is listening. Okay. <laughs> boss, so so
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. There you go. Okay. So we're still on the bucket list, proverbial bucket list. What is something on that list that you have not yet done?
2: You know, I'm going to like cop out of this one and just say (laughs) one of the things that I've become very committed to in my life is like not having an intense plan because I used to be a really intense planner and, you know, it really doesn't do you any good because... (laughs) Things always change and you're always like finding yourself in funny new places. Like I moved up to a rural area from the city two years ago. I never thought I would do that, but it was like the best impulse decision I ever made. And I think what I hope is that in my life, I'm always open to making an impulse decision that just sounds fun. And I think we need a little bit more of that is like, what sounds fun to me right now? So maybe that's a bit of a pop out, but that's what I'm going to go with.
0: I love that. I'll allow it. (laughs) I'm in (laughs) charge here and I say that's awesome. What's a book or if, you know, I don't know. Are you a big reader? I am a big reader. Yes. Excellent. What's a book you've read lately or a book that you just love and you wish everyone would love? Just what's your like go-to recommendation right now? yes so
2: I, <laughs> you're smiling so big like yes i'm a huge fiction reader i do not read a lot of like community related stuff so please feel free to send me death threats
0: i'll just send you my digital etiquette book slash blog post whenever i
2: <laughs> my book recommendation is the rabbit hutch by tess gunty it is this like phenomenal novel that i the first book i read this year and it's like kind of ruined reading for me because every book that i've read since this year i've been like it's not as good as the rabbit hatch. really <laughs> um, it takes place in this kind of like small fictional town in indiana and wow. it's like about the town being like quote unquote revitalized Um, and all of the ways the people that already lived in the town are interacting with that. It's phenomenal.
0: I'm going to have to add that to my list knowing it might ruin future books for me, but I, I just finished Her Majesty's Royal Coven. And which is one of a trilogy and the second one's coming out in a month, I think. And it was one of those things where I was like, I have to wait a month. Very good. It's science fiction. It's witchy, but it was so good. And the end, oh my gosh, anybody listening? I ah, need the other one to come out.
2: <laughs> Anyways. That's such a good feeling when you're in a trilogy.
0: Yes. Well, I like it when I'm late to the late to the party. And uh, oh, yes. so like, I start reading and yeah, it's like I read Game of Thrones. I started watching it when right before season seven came out. So I never had to wait. So I just like, It's inc- That's incredible. Yeah.
2: That- has recently happened to me with that show that's on Showtime, Your Honor. Like they just put out the second season. So I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And I was like, yes, the whole season, the first season is just
0: waiting for me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the best feeling. I love that with books. Although then it's like, and I'm not super social anyways, but it's like, guess what? I'm never leaving the house because I'm reading. (laughs) I just let it take over. It's great. It's a point of contention
2: in my relationship. My partner's always like, you don't want to hang out like you're reading again.
0: And I'm like, yeah, I'm escaping reality. <laughs> this is my hobby. <laughs> in a completely different universe right yeah, now. <laughs> like I'm on a, literally on a different planet. <laughs> I love it. We can send our partners off to go do things and we can sit and read. It'll be perfect. Come visit. <laughs> All right. This is going to be an interesting question given your impulse ways. But if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would you want to live?
2: So I love living in... Like, I live in a rural area. I've also lived in a city, but a big city. I lived in New York. I would love to try living in like a small city, like somewhere where it's a little bit more walkable, but still like not huge. So, I don't know, maybe like Richmond, Virginia, or something like that.
0: People so, are gonna be like, that's so random, but you know, like a small city. No, I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. I live in a small ski town. So do you? Yeah, and I could never live somewhere like New York City. Like I, ugh, no, it's just too loud and too much and too anonymous and too much concrete. It's a lot. Yeah, cool to visit. Yeah. Like I love London, but I think part of it is I feel like it's just big. Like it's more expansive instead of tall. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. on an island, right? So I guess I could I could live in London with the caveat of not being like in the heart. Like I would want to live out a little, but still on the you know on the tube. Yeah. I feel like Boulder is probably the biggest (laughs) I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Like even Denver, I'm like, no, (laughs) No, but it's uh, a small cities. There's probably countless
2: that I I don't know. This is something that if my partner was like, do you want to go move to like, I don't know, some random city for like Minneapolis for a year, I would probably be like, okay, let's do it. Let's see how it goes.
0: (laughs) I think it could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Could be fun. Okay. Final question. Sorry for not being rapid fire. I failed again. How do you want to be remembered?
2: Oh, I would like to be remembered by the closest people in my life. And I don't care about anybody else. Just, you know, as somebody who cared about them, sappy answer, but no, it's great. It's actually, that's, that's the truth. That's what I lean into more, more and more as I get older, Is just like caring about my community, in the very local sense of the word.
0: Yeah, that's so apropos. See, it wasn't so bad, the rapid fire. <laughs> Noel, well, thank you. For- oh, thanks. <laughs> As I'm like, I oh, know I'll answer, even though you didn't ask. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. It's always just a delight to get to hang out with you. Let our audience know where they can definitely find your newsletter. Cause I think everyone, if you're not already on the list, get on the list. Yeah. And just where, where people can find you on the internet.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Was such a great conversation. If you want to find me online, I'm, I'm pretty easy to Google. You just have to know how to spell my name, which is a bit of a red herring. It's Noel with one L and an E at the end. My last name is flowers and can find me on my website is my first and last name, Twitter, LinkedIn, if if you must, um, <laughs> and you no know, music under the same name, so
0: very Googleable. Excellent, thank you so much. Of
2: course, thank you for having me.
0: And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed listening to Noel and I's conversation. Uh, you might have heard some dogs as well in the background. Her dog, Cheese, had a sneeze, hence the Cheese sneeze. Find Noelle at her website, noelleflowers.com. And definitely, if you don't already, subscribe to her newsletter because it's great. That is it for today, and we will see you next Tuesday. Learn more about Noelle at her website, noelleflowers.com. That's N-O-E-L-E, flowers, like a flower, plural, dot com. And anywhere on social at Noelle Flowers. And LinkedIn if you must. Your lead host for the community experience is me, Jillian Benbow. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our senior producer is David Grabowski. And our editor is Paul Gregoris. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Theme music by David Grabowski. See you next Tuesday.